0: The Tower, Episode Nineteen, The Titans TV Show, Episode Two. Hey, everyone, this is your host, Peter. In anticipation of Episode 3, which will drop tomorrow, here are my quick thoughts on Episode 2 of the DC Universe original TV show, The Titans. By the way, that music is the theme song from the show by Clint Mansell and Kevin Kiner. Before we get to my thoughts, here's some feedback from Episode 1. Zed Ram on Twitter says, I treat all this stuff as else worlds, so I don't get nerd rage like a lot of people. I'm enjoying it so far. So in essence, he's saying all these TV shows, movies, uh, perhaps even the animation, if we think of them as being tangent to the comics, they are just multiple versions of the characters that we read in the comics and that we enjoy in the comics. And I, I agree with that to a point. I feel like there is room for many different versions. Certainly that is one of the big arguments when it comes to Superman in terms of the man of steel and his portrayal in that and Batman versus Superman and in other places. So, um yes, I feel kind of the same way, you know. It is all else worlds. Look at the Flash TV show, Supergirl TV show, and while it may connect with the comics here and there, um you know, I'm a firm believer that almost every time a new creative team gets on a book, it's in essence a whole new character as well, to some degree. Um, nobody keeps the characters consistent creative team to creative team. There are certain beats that are the same. They keep the certain continuity things, but um, they're certainly drawn differently. Sometimes they're written differently. I know people who are reading Bendis on Superman these days, uh, you know, maybe they feel like that's not Superman's voice, where I feel like there are some things in it that is very Superman-esque. So, um, I totally get Zed Ram's point, and um, I, I agree with that. However, I do have to add that certain interpretations of the characters could become the main version of, of a certain character or team or concept just because of the reach. So for the longest time, um, Jon Stewart, Green Lantern, in the Justice League TV show uh, far outshined um, Hal Jordan because the Justice League cartoon was very popular and when it came time to... For DC to do a Green Lantern movie, everybody was like, wait a minute, Green is not black? Even my younger brother was like, wait a minute, I thought Green Lantern was black. Because they hadn't been exposed to Hal Jordan. Um, for many people, the Man of Steel Superman is their version of Superman. And if they were to go read the comics, they may say, huh, that's kind of different. So on one hand, yes, all of these multiple versions, because we're comic book fans... All these um, versions in other media, they feel like they are the fringe, but, you know, to a mass audience, the Titans TV show may be the first thing they know. Look at um, the Teen Titans cartoon. Certainly Starfire's portrayal in the Teen Titans cartoon. Um, Many people feel like that's the way she should always be, and... When they go and read the comic and they see her drawn a certain way, it feels offensive to them to some level. So it really depends, I guess, on the popularity of a certain version of a character. And then that becomes the main um, version in many people's eyes. So, and that's a hard thing to fight against, right? Even as comic book fans. But, you know, there are far more people watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the portrayal of... Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark, or Chris Evans as Captain America, or um, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, those are the versions that they know and love. And when they go on to read the comics, um, they might be different, and they may not like the comics, and that's something that we as comic book readers have to realize as well. Sometimes mass media is greater than the versions that we know and love, and, uh, you know, who knows, that may happen here. Jamie Dunst on Twitter says, I'm not sure I'm going to get the DCU app, but I've been curious about the show. It does sound intriguing. I don't know when they're going to release this show elsewhere, if they're going to put it on Netflix later. Um, Certainly you could probably get it if they put it on a DVD somewhere. But I feel like um, if you're intrigued, uh, maybe, I don't know, do they do a free trial on the DCU app? I'm not sure. So maybe that's a way to at least maybe see one episode or see clips. I'm sure there are clips on YouTube or, you know, other places. Okay, so episode two is a focus uh, mostly on Hawk and Dove. There is no Starfire in this episode. There is no Beast Boy in this episode. So as I said, these are just quick thoughts as I was watching and I was writing these things down. And I may hit some larger points later. So first off, I like that Hawk and Dove are in Washington, D.C., which is where I believe it was set in the miniseries uh, post-Crisis in the 80s. Now, prior to Crisis, when it was um, Hawk and Dove as the brother team, I'm not sure where they were based. I I have not read their original series I've only ever really read Hawk and Dove in Titans, so I don't know where it was set prior to that, but I know it was set in Washington, D.C. after Crisis when it was Hawk and the female Dove, so that was kind of nice. There's no mention of anything to do with Lords of Order or Lords of Chaos, which is a DCU concept that was put onto Hawk and Dove to explain how they got their powers, Uh, and again, this was post-Crisis. So, yeah, you know, I talked last episode that this series feels very grounded on some level. So to to put that level of supernatural, you know, mystique onto Hawk and Dove is probably too early in the game. Plus, we have that with Raven. So it's probably best that Hawk and Dove as a crime-fighting vigilante duo is enough I really liked Hawk's portrayal in this episode. I thought it was spot-on character-wise, voice-wise, look-wise. And apart from her wig, <laughs> I thought Dove's portrayal was pretty good as well. Um, I was surprised. At it. I wasn't sure how this duo was going to look on screen. I wasn't sure how it was going to read. But it works, and it worked for this episode. And I thought this this episode in general um was more cohesive than the first episode and maybe that's because we had to deal with more characters and in this episode uh Dick Grayson brings Rachel to Hawk and Dove to Hank and Dawn to because he's going to he wants them to take care of her And that meant we were a little more isolated in terms of storytelling, and we could get some flashbacks into the history of Robin, into the history of Robin with Hawk and Dove. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot, and uh, I thought this episode was a definite step up from the first episode. Now the thing with Dove in terms of the way she fought in this episode, I felt like um, I missed the element of her fighting skills where she comes across as defensive most of the time. And that's a quality that I think that sets her character apart, and they didn't really touch on that in this episode. Um, They kind of did the same thing with Spider-Man in his Homecoming movie, where all of his actions made the criminals do the work for him. So he never really throws punches or directly hits people. It's through their own clumsiness or manicness during the fight that that does his work for him and there were certainly elements of that but um you know i'm fairly certain her cape her feather cape uh was slicing people and she was definitely making contact with some of the criminals so yeah i don't know i i, I think that would have been an interesting touch and would speak to the whole Hawk and Dove dynamic. And maybe it was there and I missed it, but I I really thought she was making contact with a lot of the criminals, so that was a little bit of a negative. The fights in general, especially the flashback with Robin and Hawk and Dove four years ago, have this strange Watchmen quality to it. So I mean Watchmen the movie. Um... When I was watching Watchmen, the movie, I, I had a little bit of a problem with how skilled they were and how much power they seemed to have and agility. These were supposed to be ordinary humans. That was the whole thing about Watchmen. Um, and yet they could do, you know, the impossible. They could climb walls like like they were doing, you know, parkour or porkour or whatever it is. Um the way they punched, the way they flipped, the way the way they landed, it all just felt a little bit superhuman. And I always liked the notion that when we have people like Robin, Hawk, Dove, um, that it's kind of like the whole Batman or Captain America thing, where they are at their peak human condition, so they can do a lot, but they're not superhuman. So the whole flashback fight in this episode reminded me of the alley fight in Watchmen or the prison fight where they were breaking out Rorschach. Um, And it just had this little tinge of superhumanness that, uh, mm, I don't know, I, I, I get it, I get it, but it just felt a little bit too much. Now, in that flashback from four years ago, Robin tells Rachel that um, they were kids back then. Apparently, Dove and Robin had a thing, maybe behind Hank's back, or um, Hank and Dove may not have been a thing at that time. Um, but he says, you know, four years ago, we were only kids, which makes me think, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, you know, the actor who plays Robin is 30 years old. Um If he was saying he's kids four years ago, what is he now? Only 21? Only 22? And he's a detective? You know, that timeline doesn't feel right. So, again, unless I misheard what he was saying, I thought he said the flashback was four years ago. And, uh, yeah, you know, how much of a kid could they really have been? (laughs) Um, So we had villains this episode who are looking for Rachel, and they come to... Hawk and Dove, and Robin, and they are pretty powerful, and they are based off characters from the old Baxter series of The Outsiders, and they are called the Nuclear Family. It's a husband, it's a wife, uh, a son, and a daughter, and a dog, um, and they have some... In in this episode, it looks like they are drug-enhanced. Um, they were robots in the old Outsider Baxter series, but I never thought I would see this team in anything. Cartoon, TV series, movie, anything. So that's kind of awesome. that uh, That's a deep dive. That's a deep DC dive. The nuclear family. And they were pretty brutal. And uh, it leaves the episode on a cliffhanger where they throw Dawn uh, off a building. And we don't know if she's alive or dead by the end of it. So I guess we'll figure that out in episode 3. One of the larger themes in this episode dealing with Hawk and Dove is in relationship to Robin, um, this idea of what it takes to be a hero or what kind of toll is put on a hero's body and mind when they go through, uh, you know, certain situations. Um, Robin even says to uh, Dawn um, that he feels like Hank should walk away from being Hawk, He's had concussions, he has scars, he's taking drugs for his bad knee, um, he drinks, he, he has to n- numb the pain. And Robin feels like, well, maybe it's time to hang up being a hero. But I feel like um, they could also be used as a way for Dick to reflect on the choices that he could make. So we already know that he's going down this deep path where he's becoming violent, whether that's because of Batman or because of their relationship falling apart. He's ultra-violent. There is a scene where Hawk and Dove see Robin in action for the first time in a long time, and they just stop and watch because he um, mows down these this gang, and he is brutal, and they're not used to that. That's usually what they do, and it shocks them, and it stops them. So when you have these characters who can't ever stop and their bodies are falling apart and they always feel like if they just do one more act they can stop because they feel like, uh, you know, they did good. When you have those two characters like Hawk and Dove and then you balance that with Dick and... If he stops and takes a look at it and realizes, you know, if I keep going this way, I will be Hawk. I will be the one that needs to take care of my body, and in the process, maybe my my mind might be going as well. So I feel like the pair is holding up a mirror to what Dick Grayson could become, and maybe it's because of the Titans that he turns around and becomes a leader, or maybe... Um, being a leader of a team means that he has to care for other people, and, and that means that he has to become a different person. And we're already seeing that with Raven. So he brought Rachel to Hawk and Dove because he feels like he could leave her with them. He even gives them money. And of course that pisses Rachel off because she feels like everybody leaves her. So he's tried to unload her in a way, Um Then in in the process, the nuclear family managed to steal her away. But I think what's going to happen is he's going to find that he can't. He has to stay with her. He has to become what Bruce became to him. He has to become, uh, you know, a mentor, not a father figure, but like a mentor. And and he's not going to be able to run away and maybe you know, the way that Batman treated him. He's not going to be able to treat Raven that way. And then he's going to find Starfire and Beast Boy and they're, they're going to become a team. And maybe eventually down the road, Donna Troy will show up. And Dick will become something else. And that's very familiar um, if you've read the Wolfman Paris series. Um, there are many times where Dick Grayson would say, maybe having a team like this will do good for me. So I like that. I liked that this episode used Hawk and Dove in that manner. All right, so I had some other real quick thoughts. At one point, Rachel called Dick an orphan, and I think maybe even referred to both of them being orphans, and that's very true. That's probably going to be true of many of the characters, certainly Beast Boy. That was part of his history. I don't know if they're going to keep it for the TV show. Uh, Cyborg was uh, uh, eventually became an orphan. Um, Donna Troy never knew her origin, so in essence, she was kind of an orphan. So I like that. I like that they brought that up. Um, There was a part where uh, Hank and Dick were at each other's necks because Hank keeps thinking that Dick is going to take Dawn away from him. And they're fighting, and Raven comes in and says, stop, and her powers go kablooey and blow up a chandelier, I think. Um, And that's her using her powers offensively, I think, for once. I liked what that showed. I liked that uh, maybe she might be able to control her powers or that they are more than just being demonic and it was a way for the other characters, especially Hank, to see uh, what kind of power she does have. And, and I, I like the reaction. I like the reaction that that got. We learned that the acolyte that Raven killed in Episode 1, he has a raven tattoo on his shoulder. I don't know if that's because of what she did, or is that because he belongs to a cult that follows ravens and, again... Is he a member of Azeroth? Is he a member of Trigon's side? Is he good or bad? We don't know, but he has a raven tattoo. So I guess we're going to find out what that means. I don't know why it took this long for me to realize this, but there are so many birds, right? Raven, robin, hawk, dove. Um, that just seems very obvious. Um, We were shown uh, the death of the Graysons, from a video, almost like a YouTube video, or or that someone took on a camera phone, and I thought, right, yeah, in this day and age, audience members uh, in a circus would have their cameras on. We've certainly seen many other tragic things that are captured on a phone and that are publicized either through, you know, some clickbait site or through YouTube or LiveLeak or whatever. And I... I thought that put an interesting spin on Dick Grayson. So, you know, how much anonymity will he really have in this day and age where the death of his parents is on video? And would he say to somebody, I'm Dick Grayson? And they would say, oh my God, you're the kid who lost his parents in that accident that was filmed. So there's a little spin. I don't know if they're ever going to play on it, but I thought it was uh, interesting to say the least. Um, And then I had a thought about episode one that I forgot to mention. um, In the vision that Rachel had when she was in the circus and she's watching the death of the Flying Graysons. Um, So the parents are on on a, you know, trapeze and um the rope breaks and as they are hurtling forward the idea was that they were supposed to latch onto Dick or the mother was supposed to grab Dick's hands and then that would you know be the act. So in the vision, it feels like if she if the mother was only maybe just a couple more inches, he might have grabbed her. So I'm wondering if there's this sense of guilt on Dick Grayson's part that um I don't think we've ever seen in the comics. Um, you know, certainly we know that, uh, you know, there's tragedy because of the death of his parents, but is there also this sense that he might have saved at least one of them? There's a notion that it might be interesting to play with later on. The end of the episode, when they go to Dawn's body and she's coughing and we don't know if she's going to die or not, um, they pull away and then we see a raven coming towards us, and it lands on top of a building, makes a noise, and then flies off. At first I thought, well, that's kind of cheesy, you know, could that be symbolic of, you know, people thinking, trying to get the audience to believe that Dawn was going to die, and that's her spirit, quote-unquote. But then I thought, wait a minute, if they kidnapped Rachel, the nuclear family, maybe she left a part of her soul self behind, and that's what that raven is. Maybe that's part of Raven, and and next episode they will, I don't know, find the Raven and the Raven will lead the team to Rachel, uh, which would give us, you know, at least something closer to her soul self, um, that bird like image in the comics, whenever she, you know, that she can release and she can travel as and fly and teleport and all this other crazy stuff. So maybe it's not just a cheesy ending. Hopefully, we will actually see that in motion. We had a bunch of Easter eggs, we had a truck that said Ditko Movers, which is in reference to Steve Ditko, who created Hawk and Dove. There was a picture on the wall of Hank and Dawn and Dick, and there was a fourth person. I believe that might be Donna Troy. I hope so. Uh, It looks like maybe this show will turn Donna into a love interest for Dick, which I never really was a big fan of in the comics, so hopefully they don't do that, but I feel like they will. And we had Dawn wearing a Superman shirt, but it was purple and yellow, which is more um, indicative of Bizarro more than Superman. So that's nice to see that there is a larger DC Universe within this TV show. And then Dick Grayson was going through his phone, and we saw a whole bunch of names. And we saw names like Alfred Pennyworth, Bruce Wayne, Lucius Fox, Donna Troy, uh, Hank, and Dawn. We also saw the name Bridget Clancy, which was uh, Dick Grayson's landlord when he moved to Bloodhaven back in the uh, mid-90s, I guess. Uh, another name, Bonnie Linseed. I had to look this one up. Um, that was a character within Batman 66 meets The Green Hornet by Kevin Smith and Ty Templeton. Uh, we had another one, a character named Michael, who was uh, like a almost like a Jimmy Olsen-type character for a Chicago newspaper, and that's from the New 52 universe. And then we had Lori Elton, who was a former girlfriend of Dick Grayson while he was at Hudson University. And that was in the mid-'70s during his detective comic stories. Um, Apparently, Lori started dating a guy named Dave Corby, and Dick Grayson exposed Corby as a villain called The Raven. I thought that was an interesting little connection. You know, I'm I'm sure they're not going to go that deep into it. But, you know, when you have a character named Raven within the TV show, within the Titans, and then you have this little Easter egg where a character was also called Raven, that was kind of cool. And finally, there was a little thing where Dick's going out for pizza, and Rachel says, no pineapple on the pizza. And Dick says, of course not. To which I say, What? put pineapple on your pizza. (laughs) How much you want to bet I get more feedback on that comment than on anything else in the episode. Um, Actually, one other comment, um, this notion that we are dealing with Dick and Rachel and Hank and Dawn. And while we see their superhero identities, we're really dealing with the person behind the mask. And isn't that what I've been saying about the Wolfman Perez run for a long time, that it's, that it's about Dick and Donna and Wally and Gar and Vic. Um, And that's what this show is. So again, another connection to the old uh, comic series that when I stop and think about, yeah, they're getting that right. And I thought this episode, as I said, was a good step forward from episode one. Okay, so I look forward to seeing episode three. Let me know what you thought about episode two or about this episode uh in general, I'm still trying to find a decent place to record. I'm in a new apartment, if you didn't know that. I moved out of South Philly. Um so I'm just trying to find where in my new apartment can I record that, uh, you know, sounds decent. Uh I do some tweaking with the sound here and there, but um you know, I'm still trying to find a place. So hopefully the sound isn't too jarring or too different from previous episodes. All right, you can send feedback, peter at the dailyrios.com or comment through Twitter or on the website. By the way, you can subscribe to The Daily Rios on iTunes if you do a search, but you could also just subscribe to The Tower if that's all you want. Uh, you can also look for The Daily Rios um, and both of the feeds should come up. It's called The Daily Rios Presents The Tower. So if you just want The Tower episodes, you can get that. Or if you want to get all all of the podcasts that come out of the Daily Reels, you can subscribe to that feed as well. Okay, we're going to end it here, and we'll be back for episode three. See ya.